This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Imagine you're pregnant and your doctor offers you a DNA edit so your baby can avoid a terminal illness. Do you do it? That decision is coming sooner than you think. This is Device and Virtue. Welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue at the intersection of technology and faith. I'm Chris. I'm here with Adam. Hey, Adam. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good, man. We're coming to you from uh, the combination of Chicago and the west side of Chicago. (laughs) The western suburbs. Long distance. uh, Chicago land, as we call it. Chicago land. All around Chicago land. But man, I I just sent you this thing earlier today uh, about my results. Your results, yeah, results. my results. Did what? You, did you, you got? This, I didn't right? see these. Uh, what results? I, I got my DNA results back. Your DNA? Oh, like uh, like twenty three and me? Like twenty three? Exactly twenty three. Oh me. yeah, my, yeah. Like the, the um, my family. I don't know. Last it's year, like, I feel like people like, are doing this. This is like ancestry on steroids, right? Yeah, and there's like all these companies that do it, ancestry.com or that kind of stuff. But my family decided to do like 23andMe. I think I actually like last Christmas or something. And I got the kit. The kit comes like in a cardboard little box. It's like two inches by two inches. It's all fancy. It looks like an Apple, like you're opening an iPhone or something. It's like, um, but all it really has in the kit is a plastic uh, like tube, like a like a I don't know, like a swab, like a test something? tube. Yeah. No, 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 it's a test tube. Oh, a test and it's, tube. It, and it has milliliter marks on the side, and then it, it gives you unfold the instructions, and it says, "Okay, you just gotta spit in this." Like a lot. Well, yeah, I thought, okay, well, that's not hard, but they're like, actually, you have to fill it up to like four millimeters of spit. So, did you like, did you like <laughs> chew a bunch of gum or something? Yeah, I did. I sat there and sort of like. <laughs> You know, sort of like, and you spit in it, and then you got to spit in it again. It's really gross, actually. <laughs> that you is spit really it gross. To create like like three millimeters of saliva, and then you put in this little chemical, and they give you a little chemical to shake into it. I guess it like stabilizes the compound, and cap it off, put it, and mail it away. And three weeks later, I got my DNA results back. Really, three weeks? That's not bad. Uh, I think yeah, it was and, fast. And, and now, and now, your entire DNA sequence is mapped and in the cloud. I am looking at a website right now that has like this graphic of all my DNA little lines, like line, I don't even get them all. Combo one, combo two, combo three, combo four, through like, you know, and it has, uh, how do you they're, feel, all, they're all how do you brightly feel, colored. How do you feel being reduced to a set of colors and numbers? I feel like really good about it. Yeah. Um, did you, so I, you know, I've this got- This is Chris in living color. <laughs> You know, I knew I thought I, I had like Polish, old Chicago Polish in my blood, and I got that. <laughs> but I found out that I got a bunch of Irish. Does it too. say old Chicago Polish in it there? It doesn't say that part. It says Polish, but the you know, um, old, I've got, old Chicago. I got some exam. I got some a uh, bunch of German, a bunch of Eastern European mutt. <laughs> I've got point three percent Ashkenazi Jewish. Well, where is that? Like I don't. I. Are, I mean, it's an old that, strand of of of. Judaism that were sort of you know their own thing 
I, I don't want to say I, the thing. I, th- I think they like only only you know married within each other, so I think it's a very detectable strand. Well, oh really? That's really interesting. Well, they clearly failed if you have them in your ancestry. Yeah, I know. Somehow I got a little bit of it, and then and then I've got um like did you see all these traits I sent you? No, like I didn't. they can detect. Like by zooming in on one of on one of the I don't know gene numbers or things, they can detect all these things about you. Oh yeah, wait, what's cilantro taste aversion? I um I am supposed to have a highly, a lightly slightly higher odds of having cilantro taste aversion. Does that mean that like you have, uh, very refined taste buds? It it means that don't you like some people? My dad has this, and that's why I have it. Like they cilantro tastes like soap. What? Yeah. What? Like you you've never heard this? Like no, it's a thing. You should look it up. It's a it's a genetic thing, and I apparently have a chance of having that according to this DNA test. But I actually don't have it. I mean, how terrible would that would? Does he like Chipotle? No, he hates cilantro. He's always. I, I hated bet cilantro. he hates Chipotle. Like cilantro lime rice. Oh yeah, because it's in the rice. That's yeah. so sad. So I That's have like these... a travesty. <laughs> I think I, I like to play. I mean, I think it's crazy, dude. This so stuff you predicts didn't, you all didn't these... inherit it. I didn't inherit it, but a lot of these other ones, like, like, are sort of really true about me. Like in eye color, it says I'm likely to have blue or green eyes based on my. And I've got blue eyes based on my. Mm. You know, um, it says like hair texture. I'm supposed to have sort of like thin hair, which is totally true. Wait, I'm supposed so to have a. F- Fear of heights is a genetic disposition. I don't know. What is it? What does it even say for me on that? It says less likely than average to be afraid of heights. That's totally true. I'm you're, kidding. You're not afraid of heights? I, very rarely. I, and I find like when I'm in, I don't know how you're supposed to measure that, but when I find them, I'm in groups, I'm more daring than other people usually when it comes to like, I don't know. Wait, so, th- okay, so there's another one. Asparagus odor detection. <laughs> Likely can smell is all it says. Yeah, you can I'm, smell I'm asparagus. And my ability to match a musical pitch, I'm very likely to be able to match a musical pitch. And you know what? I can. So Pretty are good. they just using like cilantro and asparagus as like ways into talking about your olfactory sense and your taste buds? Or is it like know. specifically about asparagus? If you click on each one of these, it goes down to like scientific articles. And each one had like talks about a scientific article about which number gene it is that relates to that thing, which is crazy. It's like this whole genome matching, matching thing. So, I mean, I, I thought I'd write this up because you sent me like the important article for today. Uh, and I, I, I thought this sort of related, right? It totally does. It totally relates. Okay, so I think it all starts, there's this Catholic professor at Stanford and he's a uh, world expert on bioethics. He was like on the U.S. President's Council for Bioethics back in the day. His name's William Herbert. And he's doing this seminar like like two years ago in January 2017 with this woman named Jennifer Downa who became really famous as a scientist because she's the founder of CRISPR. You know what I'm talking about? Right, CRISPR. Well, of course. It, it's, it's like Chris, this genetic Chris, DNA. CRISPR without the E. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like this genetic DNA editing breakthrough technology thing, right? Yeah. Do, do you even know what CRISPR stands for? Um, I looked it up. Do you want to know? <laughs> yeah, you should tell me. This is what the internet says. Clustered 
regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats. That's amazing. I think my favorite letter in there is P for palindromic (laughs) because palindromes are like words like kayak that spell the same thing backwards and forwards. That's amazing. Like what is, I don't know what that, it's basically a kayak that runs along the DNA and it turns certain DNA on and off, right? Yeah, that's, I, that's what that's what the, it's a gene editing. Oh, see, kayak. Yeah, yeah. so it's so, just I mean, like floating so through your says, DNA, turning things on and off. See, that's really fascinating. So the, I actually I had watched part of the TED talk on this. So this professor Jennifer Downa, she was famous enough. She did a TED talk about this. It made mm-hmm. a lot of news. Right, right. Three or four years ago. So you know, it's they're in 2017 doing this seminar on ethics of this. Like, how do we use this? And they do this seminar, and then afterwards... And it was kind of an invite-only kind of seminar. Yeah, it's, it's like a, private, it's, private it's for event. scientists, that yeah. kind of stuff. And and so afterwards, um, in this one of the stories you sent me, um, they have this professor who had been sitting there, and there was some discussion and things, but this one professor said nothing. He was really quiet, and he came up to them afterwards, and he started talking to William um, and saying... Uh, just asking questions about the ethics of, you know, how would you do this? And what do people in America, so he's a Chinese scientist, mm-hmm. uh, he said, well, you know, what do Americans think about editing this stuff and what are the attitudes around this? And so I guess they sort of got a little bit of a friendship going. Right. And um, over the next year, you know, they talked on the phone sometimes about the ethics of using this CRISPR DNA editing stuff. And so in, in this expert on bioethics, William, he was, you know, he thought probably not a lot of, of it, he gets consulted on this kind of thing. So imagine his surprise when, like, a year and a half later, like in November twenty fifth, twenty eighteen, he reads that this Chinese scientist has just CRISPR edited two real human babies, and they had just been born. Yeah, that's crazy. And so, like, picking up, that's sort of like uh, when I first heard about this event like this uh the gene editing of these babies so yeah these twins uh twin girls lulu and nana oh lulu and nana right and uh yeah and so this scientist uh hey jing Kao, uh that's the name of the scientist right right so he um Yeah, so that that story, Technology Review broke that story about two days before an international uh, gene editing summit that he was speaking at. That's the MIT Technology Review guys. Adam Adam just reads that. He's he's. Oh, he's I cool. I follow. He's, he's I've, pretty cool. He's hey, pretty cool. Guy. I follow it religiously because it is <laughs> so it is, so it is so one of the best magazines. <laughs> oh, it for is technology. It, it absolutely um, is. We're and giving away our secrets, man. On how we find this stuff. Yeah, and they they but they broke this story. They, they were the ones that were story. like they broke the story. Yeah, right. And so uh, two days later, there's this summit and uh, Jing Kao. Uh, speaks at the summit. He also, that day uh, of the event, uh, releases uh, a YouTube video sort of outlining this whole uh, this whole event. And um, the YouTube video is still there, but he sort of unpacks what he did in editing um, the genes of these babies. Now, uh, we've heard a lot about gene editing over the past 10, 15, 20 years, you know, even... There was like a Dolly the Sheep, like yeah, 15 and or 20 like, years ago, a clone. You know, during the Clinton administration, there was um, 
you know, a lot about mapping uh, the human genome. Yeah, Francis right? Collins was right. the famous scientist that oversaw yeah, that. Yeah, right. And so, and he's like, a Christian guy. We've yeah. been talking about this for thirty years now, and uh, if not longer. But so, what's um, different about this then? So, yeah, there's a, there is a, a distinction here that that needs to be made. Um, there are two kinds of sort of gene editing that uh, that we've been. Um, that have been talked about in the past 30 years. The first is sort of adult stem cell genetic editing. Okay. Um, and I don't know, is there... Uh, like the kind of editing that only affects the person that you do it on, right? Right. So like you're, taking, you're taking uh, their own DNA, editing it in some way, and inserting it back into their bodies uh, to, do, to do work. It's um, somatic cell therapy. Okay. Which I know that I knew there not was because I'm an expert on this, but because we've been reading articles about it for the yeah. last day. <laughs> right, 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 right. Right. Okay. So there's that's the one kind. Yeah. Uh and then the other kind is what Jing Kao uh did. Um and it's called uh germline modification. So oh. essentially what happened was, and he explains this in the U- in the YouTube video, is that um when the embryo was created uh, they immediately went in uh, to the embryo and inserted the CRISPR uh, protein. So this kayak is swimming along in the in the gen- genetic material, and they had programmed it to turn off a very specific gene. It's called CCR5 Whoa. Delta okay. 32. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, and, but, it's the, and it was sp- supposed to stop the CCR5 yeah. thing if I stops HIV. Yeah. So essentially, it it creates a resistance. I, I wouldn't. It doesn't stop HIV, but it, it um, HIV basically typically enters through CCR5 um, and and affects and that's how it infects uh, you know victims, recipients, whatever. Oh wow. Right. Um, so with the, I watched him do this YouTube video. He's, he's like sitting in a lab and he's explaining and he knows people are going to be uncomfortable with this. And there was this huge scientific outroar around right. the whole world going, this wasn't ethical, right? Because we hadn't done this, like this germline modification, like the kind of DNA, the edit that passes down to other people. Yeah. But like right. I, I saw him sitting there and he's like, hey, this is the right thing to do because it's not like I'm like creating you know, a designer baby is like, I'm just protecting these two babies from getting HIV in the future. Right. So their, uh, their father, uh, is HIV positive. Oh, wow. Oh, so, so I didn't see that part. Yeah. And so that was, uh, part of, uh, the rationale behind, uh, this experiment specifically. Um, and so, yeah, they went in, they, they did this editing and then, uh, that embryo went into the mom and, Nine months later, they have twins. Um, this is and, crazy. And, and and he also announced that there were uh, at, at least one other pregnancy, if not a, a couple other pregnancies, that were also being um, gene edited. Yeah. So like, uh, I don't know. I, I I run in these circles, so like I've been seeing a lot about this in my Twitter feed. Um, I don't know if it has been uh, brought more broadly reported than that. Um, but it has been a huge deal in the scientific community, in the bioethics community, in the gene editing community, um, because 
they think that uh, Jin Cao really sidestepped a lot of ethics and scientific protocol. Um, and there should have been a lot of intermediate steps between uh, where we are today and where he has taken us um, in in editing babies. Yeah, and they say, you know, this is a, such a huge ethical deal for science because if you're going to edit a gene that gets passed down, you're starting to edit not just one person but the human race. Right. And, of course, everybody's understandably sort of thinking about that. I I think the... But if we're not all just watching science articles online, right? Like, like it feels <laughs> like, to me like I am. Like, so the question that you opened with right at the very beginning is totally the question, right? Like, it's this crazy. At first, I was like, "No way! This should not be allowed. This guy should not be editing this DNA. Um, the sin's pretty, you know, not okay." Yeah. yeah. But then, he, the, when I watched that video and you posed the question right at the beginning, if you were going to have a baby and you're pregnant. And say the doctor comes and offers you this option, like, hey, we can do a minor gene modification that would protect your own child from this, like, disease that right. could kill them. Right, right. Like, who's what, not going to do, do you, that? What are you going to, what do you do? What, what parent doesn't love their child so much that they're willing to do it? And, like, if you're, like, a Christian sitting there thinking about it, oh, I, I should, do I have beliefs about this? What are the ethical things? Right. Like, well, how do you even start? right. Um, yeah, so there is sort of this question around, uh, we have, uh, all these susceptibilities, um, we, you know, may be susceptible to HIV or we may be susceptible to other, um, potentially terminal illnesses, hmm. um, Parkinson's, for example, could be another one. Um, these, these genetic, um, these genes are passed down. Uh, and so if we could turn off the gene that passes that along, why not? Yeah, it's really difficult. And there was a poll in China, which, you know, is probably not, you know, like a strong Christian poll. Of course, there's a lot of Christians in China, but it said that um, 73% of all the Chinese surveyed in China would support, just in theory, this was before it happened, yeah. would support a gene edit to prevent HIV. Yeah. Well, and, and one additional thought was, and this made a lot of sense, 95% of those who actually had HIV were like, yes, yes we would right. definitely, totally of makes course. Sense. So like, so wow. Well, and even recently, there's been a lot of like pushback against anti-vaxxers, against people who are against vaccines. Right, right, right. right. And like, you know, we think about polio, we think about measles, we think about smallpox, all these things that have effectively been eliminated. Like, we're... Isn't this just like vacc vaccinating taken to the next level? Right, right. Like, is it is it vaccination just the next, you know, the techier version of it or something? Right. So you were telling me, I mean, this gets into lots of questions, and you were you were mentioning that how a lot of scientists they were against this. But mainly because the process was violated. You know, he didn't do the right ethics things. The hospital, he said the hospital gave him ethics permission and they denied it. They said, no, we did not do that. Um, he never published it in the correct journal. You know, and the, the process is supposed to slow it down and have everybody sort of work on it. Right. But yeah. I mean, you, you sort of pointed out that honestly, probably those, they weren't just pure ethical reactions to that stuff. Yeah. It seems like a lot of the, 
reaction that's been reported um, by The Atlantic, by MIT, um, and other other sources, they're pointing out that a lot of people are angry about, a lot of scientists are angry about uh, how Jin Cao sort of leapfrogged a bunch of uh, protocol. But it seems to it seems to me that like the concern is more about the protocol and less about the outcome that Jin Cao is is attempting to achieve. Like it doesn't seem like the scientists are against uh, his goal. Uh, they just don't necessarily like the method that he um, he right. chose, and so I wonder, In, as a Christian, um, do do we support that goal, or do are there are there other commitments that we have as Christians that would cause us to say no? I, it's not just a protocol problem; it's like a a a goal problem like they're they're going they're they're aiming at the wrong target it's really such a crazy question and you know you you and i've talked about technology and faith for a long time but the stuff i've always focused on was is like communications technologies and history and stuff so when we get into (laughs) these bioethical questions i feel so out of my depth sometimes um and you know we're just sort of uh, thinking about it together but i looked up the um you know there's a lot of good Christian professors that have done stuff. And one guy is um, Dr. Michael Sleesman, um, who's yeah. the head of the uh, Center for Bioethics. Um, I think it's out of uh, Trinity, Ted's, uh, in Chicago here, um, sem- the seminary. And he had all these sort of points about if we're editing genes like this, you know, what are the sort of objections? Like, why wouldn't you, you know, mm-hmm. protect your child? Um, and he had different points. Like, one of them was, and I just want, like, what do you think about these? For instance, one of the things that he says is like, biblically, like children are supposed to be a gift, like a, you know, a, a gift of, of God. And if we're starting to do gene editing, it raises all these sort of things. Like, does it turn children from a gift to a commodity? Are we looking the proverbial gift horse in the mouth and <laughs> fixing its teeth before we take it? Yeah, and I mean, this could be like a little bit like, oh, I'm on Amazon.com and I can choose, you know, one of the three colors. And it's just, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I sort of shop for this kind of thing. Uh, and so, like, I could start turning the baby into that. And, like, we were just talking about the disease thing, so that feels sort of obvious. But another question that comes up sort of fast when you get into this is, like, what if you could do something a little bit more benign? Like, I don't know, edit your baby's eye color. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's a good point. Uh, you know, we're talking about um, making up for deficiencies, but then there are these questions of sort of like tailoring the child. Um, so I, I'm reminded at this moment of a movie uh, that I loved like oh, 20 oh, years what, ago. Oh, I know what you're going to Yeah, you know where I'm going. Uh, a movie called Gattaca. <laughs> Gattaca, and yes. I, I love it for so many reasons. I've what year was that, man? That was so like ninety. That thing was amazing. Yeah, 97, super 90s. 98, something yeah, like right. that. Um, it was actually directed by Danny DeVito. <laughs> did you know that? No, I think it's funny. Anyways. No, it's really funny because I just imagine him being short standing there on the set. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's not afraid of heights either. <laughs> See how you did that, right? But <laughs> so, so you, this so, is like one of the few movies you've owned for a long time. Yeah, right? I I don't own very many movies. I own about six movies, and Gattaca is one of them. Oh, I, I watched it recently, and it it's actually 
like the st- this the movie making is is somewhat um the storytelling isn't great because there's a lot of narrative okay. that's beside the point but <laughs> it in at the very beginning of the movie we'll be doing uh, our oscars podcast next <laughs> yeah yeah at the beginning of the movie uh the doctor says to the parents it's not like uh it he'll just be getting the very best of you it's it's not like it's not you it's just the very best of you. Oh, in, that's it, fascinating. In, in a thousand natural conceptions, you could never get these kinds of results. Wow, right? interesting. And so I, that, that's the question that you're kind of alluding to. Like, can we, can we tailor these kids uh, to just be the best versions of ourselves? And that like, story winds up being like a super creepy story in Gattaca because like, Hmm. Um, because it, it sort of points to this right. It, there's this whole world where the divides into the have and have nots. Yeah, like so the uh people become I don't know the people that have the gene editing technology. Like I guess their parents at the beginning, like they can make their kids like stronger and faster. They look sexy. Yeah, yeah. they're smarter. Yeah. And and it starts being like two classes in the world, the people that have been yeah. gene edited and they can work at all the top corporations and consulting and government. Right. And then there's this whole underclass of people that haven't been gene edited and they're just super ordinary, right? Right, right. And and I think what's interesting about the way Gattaca presents it is that it's still the the best of you. But there is then, um, and, and like you said, that, that's somewhat benign. Eye color, sure. Maybe that's benign, but right. the, we go from remedy remedy to tailored tailor made to potentially enhancement. Um, and what's interesting is that right. more recently, uh, as more information and and research has been done on what uh, Jin Cao uh, has done, um, there's actually been uh, some research released that found that um, this this gene CCR five um, could actually be connected to um, enhanced brain functioning. Oh, even though it was supposed to just be the HIV thing. Yeah. So yeah, it we think oh, it's just supposed to be about HIV, uh, but the fact is, um, no, it's actually there's actually more. Uh, there's a potential that there's some enhancement there as well. Yeah, I saw that story, like unintentionally maybe, but like they were testing it in mites or something and they had better memories. Yeah, yeah. and and people who uh, had a stroke were able to recover better. Oh, wow. um, so like this, man, so so the, the, the Gattaca world, either the world of, you know, are we enhancing or do we not even know what we're doing? There's the justice and injustice sort of aspect of it. And that, by the way, when I was looking at the Dr. Sleesman article, that was, you know, the Gattaca world was one of the ones he brings up also for Christians. Like, is this an unjust thing? Mm-hmm. Like, will this technology just fall into the hands of the rich and the poor won't have access to it? Um, and then, the, I mean, one of the other th- key things he brings up is, like, this idea of eugenics. Eugenics. Yeah, right. You remember eugenics? Like it's this sort like of sort the, like old nineteen twenties eugenics. <laughs> yeah, or like I like I feel like it's even older than that. I don't know. Like but... uh like G. K. Chesterton eugenics. Yeah, right. Um, he, he wrote a he wrote a book called uh or they compiled a book called Eugenics and Other Evils. Oh yeah, I forgot about that actually. Yeah. And, Chesterton. Uh but it's like this idea of like they would you know, it's like not gene editing. 
but you would sort of like, you know, the guy that's permanently crippled, you don't want him to have a baby. You decide, well, the human race um, doesn't want to pass that on. And so you just they would sterilize people, right? Or not let them reproduce. So, it's like so that would sort of supposedly disappear slowly from the... You know, so and this is obviously like roundly se- condemned now. breeding or something. Yeah, and it was seen as kind at the time, but now we look at it and we're sort of horrified, right? We're like, That's, right, it is horrifying. But um, this is like a sort of a new version. And you had this, you know, this is already affecting like what parents like allow it to do with pregnancies, right? Like, didn't you have a statistic around Down syndrome? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Down syndrome. Yeah, good reminder. Um so that one was so th- hard. Yeah, this one breaks my heart. Um, so there's, yeah, there's reliable uh, testing that can diagnose Down syndrome uh, as early as the first trimester. Right. So first three months. Um, and uh, since since that's come that came out, uh, I think in the I want to say in the eighties. Um, don't don't quote mm. me on that. But um, since then. Uh, one study found that 60 to 70% of women who receive a prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome in the U.S., okay, 60 to 70% opt for abortion. Wow. So there's also there's already this selective uh, genetic um, editing that's going on. Uh, it's not it's not gene editing like CRISPR, but it's it's a so it's a societal um, decision that's happening that's actually think, removing uh, groups of people from the population. Yeah, right. And I think, I mean, I think you and I automatically see that as like, oh, that's really horrible. I think, although I would, but I could understand why people, some people would also see that as really complicated. Like, mm-hmm. um, well, wait, like, isn't, you know, someone having a Down syndrome baby like really tough on a, a mom or a family? Um, but I mean, I, and the that's where I yes. think they, yeah, the answer is yes, but I think that's where the Christian view has to weigh in like really hard and like difficult and say like, wait, like um, God loves and cherishes every kind of human, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, um, and is and is doing. There are definitions of what a whole or perfect human is. Mm-hmm. Aren't are necessarily God's definitions of that? Well, and I think. Um, the the idea then that we um th- it makes it makes family life or or uh parenting more difficult to have a child with disabilities that's absolutely true but it also um fails to live into uh, a belief that our lives are for are are for more than our own ease they're um, for um Right. And and that the kingdom of God is calling us to a wider vision than just our own uh seventy years on on life, um seventy years of our lives. But it's uh it's also calling us to think you know, both in, in breadth of life, serving other people, but also in length of life, that it goes it goes into eternity. Um and I just have to share this story. There's um, there's a, a a boy with Down syndrome in my church. He's probably uh, I want to say he he's probably 13 or 14. Okay. Um, and he uh, 
when he's at church, you know it. Um, <laughs> and, and his parents uh, let him worship and shout and jump. I mean, he loves the drums and he just jumps up and down <laughs> with the drums all the wow, time. Wow, wow, wow. And I have to say that like every every Sunday, this is true, every Sunday when I see him, like my heart is opened to worship hmm. in a way that I wouldn't that wouldn't be possible without him. Hmm. Um and and I I'm I'm just so uh moved by him and just the whole open heartedness that he has and and that our church has and that his parents have to let him worship in the way that he worships because it 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 ministers to me on a regular basis. And I think we need to look uh look at these um potential deficiencies as not only ways that we serve them but how do they serve us how do they open our own hearts um to recognize our own um our own failures our own inability to love each other or love god um yeah that's that's just uh, when i think of uh some of this stuff that you know he comes to mind yeah, that's really beautiful and really powerful. Wow. So after all that, it makes me wonder if He Jing Kao is like thinking about all these things when he does this, when he edits uh, and makes these two girls named Lulu and Nana. I think on the YouTube video, he seems really kind and like he really wants to help. But there's other things to think of. I agree. Um, I think he does uh there are there are clearly compassionate motives that are driving his his view and what he's trying to do um you know i i would agree with the scientists from the standpoint that like we need to follow a protocol to do it in a way that's safe and um and that allows us to kind of take it step by step and um but I think there are unintended consequences like we've seen with um, just the testing you can do around uh, children with Down syndrome or fetuses with Down syndrome. Right. Um, that there are just unintended consequences that society, that when they take those, uh, those tools that we give them, um, they're going to they're gonna do things that we didn't necessarily, that, that these scientists with, with these good intentions like Jin Kao has, um, they're going to take them and, and abuse them in different ways. Well, a lot of times you and I argue and disagree, but on this one, I think we're just not totally, we, we have the things, but we're not totally sure what to do. But if you, but if we have uh, friends that are listening and want to tell us what you think, like do it, um, you should tweet at us because this stuff is hard. At Device Virtue. At Device Virtue, exactly, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, or find us anywhere else. Um, but, you know, before we leave, Adam, I think we have to do... Vice or virtue. All right. Uh, can I throw it out there? Throw it out there. Let's do it. Mail order DNA tests. <laughs> Vice <laughs> or virtue. <laughs> uh, well, considering that I just already made, generated four milliliters of saliva... <laughs> <laughs> or one, set it off, and now have a. Oh man! Uh, you I gave dude, so much of yourself to that DNA test. 
it's really funny on the DNA reports. You know, now that I got, I've got actually my mom and my dad to do it. My sister is actually not. She's not sure whether she wants to do it right now. Oh, really? Honest. Yeah. So I think she would be oh, like, "Oh man, nice. I would. I, I think I would like your sister. She, she and I would get along." Her, I will tell you, her reason is is they do like give you health things as well, and um, really? and she's like feels a little bit insecure, like a lot of people do, about like seeing potential like health risks that could appear oh, in yeah. your DNA. But for me, like, um, I just think this has been really fun to explore this, and it's also a way to explore the way. I mean, this is going to sound a little cheesy, but the way God made me uh, and like down to like things that I don't totally understand. It's cool to see these diagram of these chromosome pairs and all these that they're sort of unique and also how they link me to the rest of creation. So I think it's a virtue. You like the color by number, huh? (laughs) There's that. Yeah. (laughs) So are you going to do one of these, Adam? You know, I have next to no desire to do one of these. Um, I... I'm sure I would find it interesting and I, I'm sure I would totally geek out if I got all this data about myself. Um, but I really hate dry mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's that's going to be it. And yeah, so I'm going to, um, I, I, it's a, it's definitely a vice. I mean, it, it, that, that's too high of a cost for me. Yeah. Well, I'll be working on convincing Adam that he actually should do the <laughs> DNA test so we can find out where he's really from. Yeah. But be, uh, Who are you before really that, related to? But before uh, that happens, it's been fun talking with you, man, uh, exploring this really difficult topic. So uh, good, Absolutely. good to have a conversation. Absolutely. Until Thanks. next time. We'll see you next time. Hey, let's keep the conversation going. I think it's an argument. Okay. Tweet to us at Device Virtue. And for links and show notes, check us out at deviceandvirtue.com. And do leave us some love by rating us on iTunes. Yeah, please do. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's M.A. in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu hdl.